0: Good morning, welcome to Emmett Audio. Um, <clears throat> for a change, I'm sitting in my kitchen about to do the very thing that I'm describing. Actually, I'm about to pull my chair around. It's not blocking the light. Bear with me. There we go. So where we left off yesterday um, was right at the point where it's... Uh, where where I always take... The, Time to redraw the spoon shape, and the reason I redraw it is that if I don't, if I just try to adjust by eye, as soon as I make that first cut, it becomes very difficult to remember exactly the line that I wanted, because the the way that you visualize a line is like, oh, okay, I'm gonna take down this bump here, and then I'm gonna shift this weight of the handle over to here by removing this wiggle. And as soon as you start making that cut without a line drawn in, it uh, you lose all the reference points that were helping you visualize what you were going to do in the first place. So the whole point of drawing a pencil line is to lock in those reference points um, into something that sticks around even as you carve away the stuff. So I'm a big believer in using a pencil. Just use a regular number two pencil. It uh, doesn't really matter if it has a eraser or not because it, I'd never used the eraser um, and I keep it sharp you want a nice sharp point but I definitely don't need like a mechanical pencil or anything like that now I tend to redraw my shapes um, always in the same way first I define the neck of the spoon um, because the neck is kind of a hinge everything floats around the neck from one side to the other and then I redraw the bowl, and then I redraw the handle. Um, and the reason I do it in that orientation is that usually the bowl has, has um, sort of more limitations in that it's probably more lopsided, and the handle is usually a little better lined up. Um, you'll notice that I don't try to keep the bowl from being super lopsided when I'm carving, that's okay. For it to end up very lopsided at this stage of the game, um, because uh, because if you try to make it not lopsided, you might end up removing material that you would need in order to get the fullest size bowl that you could out of the remaining material, and it's just a reductive thing. You end up getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and all of a sudden, the spoon bowl that you might have been able to squeeze in had you just started with a lopsided thing. If you try and correct it before drawing with the pencil and seeing exactly what you can fit, (coughs) you end up with something that is much smaller than you otherwise would have. So the other thing that I found that's really helpful is, um, well, two things. Okay, let's start with this other thing first. First of all, I think it's human nature when you are trying to draw something symmetrically like a like this in this instance to when you're trying to adjust something to make it symmetrical like draw a spoon a symmetrical spoon shape within a lopsided spoon that exists um i think it's human nature to draw the big side for the like the side that that has too much material to try and draw that side first to try and say okay this is how much we're going to reduce this side to bring it down so that it's um so that it's symmetrical to the other side. The Problem is, is that you might not bring it down enough. And once you draw that line, it's very hard to unsee it. Even if you erase it, there's still enough of a line there that you can sort of see it. I find it much more useful to draw the side with less first. Because if you draw the side with less, you know that whatever you draw on the side with more is gonna fit because it has more. So you draw the side with less. That's gonna be that's gonna truly right off the bat define what you can you know what you can fit within the spoon blank, and then you can figure out what's symmetrical to that on the other side, and it will fit because there's more material. The second trick that I found that really helps is to place the side of my hand that's holding the pencil onto my knee. And just keep it there, and only draw in arcs. Um, you can move your fingers and thumb that are holding the pencil in this sort of not quite 180 degrees, but like th- a third of a circumference of an arc. And you can adjust that arc. It doesn't have to be, you know, just one. It doesn't have to create a circle, for instance. It can create an oval or whatever. But by locking that into place and only letting your hand describe that one arc, and then rotating the spoon rather than holding the spoon still and trying to move your hand and draw something symmetrical, you're going to end up with a much more consistent curve. Um, <clears throat> so, and then when I do the handle, what I do is I sight along the handle and try and figure out where you know where I need to remove material from the tip or the shoulder end of the handle so that i get everything lined up nicely with the i get everything lined up nicely with the spoon bowl as it exists now and once i have that sense i then draw that line and if it's a straight line this is particularly helpful i then draw that line by simply sliding my hand not in one single fluid motion but in a sort of back and forth Motion, but sliding my hand along my leg really helps me keep that line straight. Okay, so once I have my spoon redrawn on the blank, it is now time to repeat the first steps with a bit of a wrinkle though, which is this. While when I start out roughing out a spoon, I generally start with the going around the bowl and then finish doing the handle. <clears throat> um, when I am doing this stage of carving, I generally do the reverse. I generally start out um, doing the sides of the handle first, bring them down to the shoulders and try and leave those shavings attached. That makes it much easier to then come around the shoulders and and clean up under those shavings. The other thing that it helps with is that when you're coming down the sides of the handle, if the blade pops out of the wood, it runs the risk of hitting the the shoulder and putting a little nick in the shoulder. If you spent a lot of time very carefully carving around the shoulder at this stage, that's gonna be a real bummer if you then put a nick in it and you have to re-carve it again. So by doing the handle first, you make it so that uh, there's no danger of nicking the shoulder after you carve it because you've already done the handle. It also is helpful in getting the the neck of the spoon cleaned up on either side. <clears throat> so the way it works and I'm doing it right now is you leave that you get that shoulder cut down as close as you can to the the neck and you leave it attached now counterintuitively, a very tight but curved shoulder transition neck transition is the easiest of all transitions to make. It is easier than a stop cut transition where you have to sort of ask these two cuts to line up perfectly with as little um as little choppiness as possible um, because you're sort of smoothing through one of the previous, in this instance, you're smoothing through one of the previous cuts with the other cut. You're smoothing through the cut that came down the shoulder by coming around, uh, sorry, down the neck, by coming around the shoulder and slightly uphill in the neck, just slightly. It's also easier to do this than it is to, um, do a more shallow neck curve, right? a more gradual neck curve, which is what you, uh, ironically, it's what you often see in beginning spoon carvers, that they they feel intimidated about making that tight curve, but it's actually much harder to do that, the shallow curve in most instances, because the grain change occurs in that curve. (coughs) And to ask the, to ask the knife to cleanly, go through that grain change in a more gradual curve is actually asking a lot more of the knife than to ask it to clean it up in a tight curve so not only does it look sharper and neater in my opinion it's also much easier and faster to clean up a nice tight tightly curved neck than it is to clean up a more shallowly curved neck Um, and once you clean up that neck using and and i should say that the The motion, when you come around the shoulder and go to clean up the neck, I am using just the tip of the knife. Like the tip of the knife does not extend past the cut that I'm making. I'm using as close to the tip as I possibly can. And that's because you want to use that tip. It's going to let you make that tight curve. Any other part of the blade is going to catch and chatter, but the tip won't. And if the tip can't do it, again, that's the canary in the coal mine that I talked about from the last episode of that's the sign that you need to stop and sharpen your knife. It can also be a sign that your your wood is too wet, or it's you know the species is not great, or um there are other factors that contribute to it, but the thing that you can control in that moment is is your knife sharp? And usually an adequately sharp knife will sort of get you past those other obstacles. Um, uh, So, um, I wonder if there's a way of thinking about it. It's like you can get away with two out of three. Either your, your blade cannot be particularly perfectly sharp and the moisture content is spot on Or your blade cannot be particularly sharp, and it's a very forgiving species, like cherry or beech. Or your moisture content is spot on, and it's a very forgiving species, like cherry or beech, but your blade isn't particularly sharp. You have to have two of the three. Um, Otherwise, you're not going to get away with it. So... once you carve around the outline this is the case where you're going to then carve around the spoon bowl now it's going to be tempting for a lot of you to use a potato peeler cut for the part of the spoon bowl where in the carving of it you can't actually see the line you're cutting but i would argue that you're probably going to have better results if you just do the same squeeze cut on one side that you're doing on the other side even though you won't be able to see the line you're cutting on one side because you're gonna be able to create a more consistent curve. The potato peeler cut is kind of terrible for creating nice fluid curves. So even though you think you're in control because you can see the line you're cutting, you're actually less creating less of a pleasing curve than if you let go of having to see what you're cutting and just cut it to the best of your ability and then check it and then maybe trim it again. And you know, like you might go back and forth a little bit, but. I think most people will have better results from from just doing a regular hand squeeze cut um, on both sides of the bowl. Once you get your outline really trimmed up nicely, and this this is the point where it makes sense to be finicky, to be uh, careful with the lines you're creating, to go back and smooth things out, to try and make sure everything is squared off and clean. Um, This is where not only are you setting up the skeleton of your spoon, but you are setting yourself up to make the subsequent stages really nice and easy. Um, So once you've gotten the outline really nice, um, then it is time to do the top face again. Again using those same pivot cuts that I described um, in the last episode to just readjust the line, get down, remove any pencil marks that are there, make sure that everything is symmetrical from side to side, make sure it looks the way you want it when you look at it from the side, all those things. This is your moment to, to do that. And also do the top of the handle which is just a long pull stroke coming from the tip of the handle down to the bowl. And I also hear uh if I'm gonna do a bump down something I described at the end of the last episode, this is where I set it up. I mean I've already set it up, but I'll sort of reset it up and here's a thing that people often struggle with the way you get that neck, the top of the neck where it comes down to the shoulders nice and clean, and the angle and sort of depth that you want it to be is you you do a uh a, a hand squeeze where you're pushing the blade from that neck straight down into the bowl, and then it's going to hit that grain change, and it's going to stop, and you just leave it there. You try ripping it off a little bit if you want to, but uh, you don't try to um, come back and cut it from the other direction, because you're going to come back, you're going to cut the neck, trying to come back to it. So just leave it. The hook knife will remove all that jagged stuff. You don't need to deal with it. And trying to deal with it is only going to make it messier. So, and you're going to sort of go back and forth and back and forth. Before you know it, you've cut way down into your neck without really intending to. So, leave it. Um, And then, trim up the back of the bowl. I tend to leave the back of the bowl fairly rough. Um, Unless it's something like a cooking spatula that sort of know what it's going to be. It doesn't need to interact with my mouth or... (laughs) And I can make the insides match it, but for all other forms, I I sort of I get the rim pulled up another half of its thickness, and uh, and I kind of leave everything else, and then uh, and then I do the back of the handle, and then I'm ready to start doing the chamfers on the handle. The reason I do the chamfers now instead of waiting till after I've done the bowl is I find it's a nice hack. To make it easier for me to not keep coming back to something again and again. So I'm going to go close our front door. It's a little breezy. So philosophically, one of the tricky things about spoon carving is when are you done? When do you stop? And this is part of knowing your own tendencies. I know that I will have a hard time stopping if I don't create sort of logical hard stopping points. So for me, the logical thing to do is to finish the handle now before I move on to the bowl. And that way I am not, I don't let myself come back to it. So once I trim the back of the bowl, again, trying to make sure everything is squared off and even and nice clean line. And this is where I do that brace my uh, hand against my my forearm against my my thigh, and then I pull the spoon back rather than pushing with my knife hand. I'm holding my knife hand still and pulling the spoon back against it. So uh, once that is done, um, then I do chamfers because if I can get the chamfers to look to To be done at this stage, then I won't let myself come back to it, and I won't spend that endless time that you can spend dithering back and forth, trying to sort of get everything to look perfect. Um, there's always something more that you could do on a spoon, and so for me, having that hard stop of oh, I've done, I've done it. I'm not going. I'm not going to revisit it. Is a useful thing. So. I am a big fan of loose chamfers, by which I mean using a series of chamfers to create you know, oval or round forms on the handle rather than trying to get a perfect octagon or a perfect hexagon. The reason I like loose chamfers is that it allows me to focus on the overall form of the spoon and adjust it in a fluid way without feeling like I then have to go and adjust every other thing that touches it, right? If you're trying to make a perfect octagon and one thing is off, then in adjusting one thing, you often have to go adjust two or three or four or five other things because you adjusted that one thing. And that can be an endless cycle of going back and forth. And the nice thing about fluid chamfers is uh, you you don't need to do any of that. you basically, you're just so I started off by running chamfers that knock off the major corners of the handle. And then each of those chamfers gets a chamfer on the side of it. And my most common shape is a sort of oval shape that's you know slightly wider than it is deep. And it's in general made by running a, a nice strong chamfer. It has to be a fairly strong chamfer, that first one, because half of it's gonna get obliterated by the side chamfers running a strong chamfer down the top or back corners of the handle. Again, in the same direction as you would carve the top or bottom face. So on the top, that's going from the tip down to the bowl and on the back, that's going from the bowl down to the tip. And then once I have those chamfers, then I do a chamfer on either side of it. Now on the top of the handle where it comes down to the bowl, you have to let it taper as it comes down to the bowl. If you drive it deep, 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 it's gonna have a very awkward transition to the shoulder and you're gonna end up with either lowering your shoulders more than perhaps you intended, or this awkward thing where the chamfer sort of dips down and then sort of has to come back up to the level of the shoulder. So uh, don't don't overdo it towards the end. You gotta let it taper out as it approaches the bowl. and then once I have that primary chamfer, I then run a secondary chamfer down each of its corners. Now, the easiest way to run a nice, long, clean chamfer that I've found is to place my thumb. It's a pull cut, right? So that the blade is going to be facing me. Uh, but instead of my thumb being around the sort of the back of the blade, right where it meets the handle, which is what I do on more powerful strokes on this, my thumb is more up a third to half of the way up the blade, and that, and it's sort of bracing more on the side, not entirely on the side, but quite a bit on the side, and that is going to allow me to um, just hold the blade steadier than I otherwise would be able to, and um, and what I find. Sorry, I'm dealing with a little unexpected grain change on my spoon that I'm carving as I talk here. Uh, What I find is that that shift alone allows me to get nice clean lines on my chamfers. And then it's just a matter, you should be able to cut these chamfers with very little force. It should just be a very easy, easy stroke to get it... uh, Pulled down, and so I gotta take a moment here and retrim this hand a little bit because I had more grain tear out than I intended. Again, this is this is the wonderful thing about um, about loose facets, is that you can have something like what just happened to me happen, and it's fairly simple to adjust it because. There's no sort of perfect geometry to maintain. One of the things that makes um, carving like round forms particularly challenging is that a circle is a perfect geometric formation, and any deviation from that is immediately apparent. Um, and so one of the nice things about these loose chamfers is that they're just very forgiving. And here I am, I had a, had a real issue, but it turned out that my, my, um, handle was too thick anyways. So I was able to, there we go. Good. I was able to just push down the top, make the handle a little bit thinner. And here we are. Very nice. Okay, so now, and this is the last point I'm going to make for right now, because, no, I'm going to make two more points, and it's going to get us through this part of using this Lloyd knife, and tomorrow we'll talk about using the hook knife. Um, So now you need to do two things. You need to, once you've done your chamfers on your handle, it's worth doing what I call micro chamfers, which if, if there are any strong... Um, If there are any strong, sharp edges, it's worth running a very tiny little chamfer down that strong edge. Just knock it off a little bit and that'll make the finished spoon much smoother in your hand. You want to trim up the end of the handle in whatever way you want. If you're into finials, this is where you do the finial. If you're not into finials like me, this is where you don't do the finial. Uh, but either way, you want to do whatever you need to do to get the handle completely done, so that you don't revisit it. Um, and I think it's good, you know, even if you if you're not shooting for speed like me, it's just good to create a logical stopping point where you just complete something and you're not going to go back to it. Um, and then the what was I going to say? There was one other thing I was going to say. chamfers end of the handle. I know there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh yes, <clears throat> that's right. One easy way, if you're still trying to figure out if your spoon is symmetrical at this stage, one simple way to test that is to hold your spoon up against a window such that it turns the spoon into a silhouette and hold it with the bowl up and then hold it with the bowl down. And there will be things that become apparent. Like I can see on mine, I have the right shoulder of my spoon bowl. It's just a different curve than the left one. And by reducing it to a silhouette, it becomes easier to visualize what you need to do to change it And at this stage, I I usually don't use a pencil unless there's like a bunch of things that need to happen. But you could certainly use a pencil if you feel like that would help you. But it's usually just a few little adjustments here and there to the outline, usually of the bowl, but sometimes of the neck transition and that sort of thing. Uh, It's just very helpful to hold it up so that you can look at a silhouette of it. And from there, very easily visualize what needs to happen. And now is really the time to deal with it before you move on to carving the bowl. Um, That's it. Thanks for listening, guys.